Hello everybody, my name is Anne Teato and welcome to the Psychic Matters podcast episode number 55. This week I bring you tarot tips. I suddenly realised I haven't spoken about tarot on this podcast yet, which is very unusual because I have been reading tarot cards for 40 years. In fact, if you were to book a tarot reading with me online, please know that I will be using my favoured, treasured 40-year-old Rider Waite tarot deck, which has been infused over the years with my energy and intuition. And I must have done thousands of readings with them. And you know, I'm still seeing things in those cards that I've never noticed before. Tarot is an enormous subject. So I thought that every now and again, I do a podcast episode teaching you all about the tarot, how to read it, how to use your deck, what spreads to use, maybe what a reversal is, how to make sense of the numerology and the symbols, etc, etc. And I can answer any questions you might have. So if you do have anything you would like answered on this podcast regarding tarot or anything really, please do email that question to me and let me help you. And you can email me on Anne, A-N-N, at anteata.com. And I will do my best to put together a podcast episode to help you, the listener, with your tarot problems. And as it's such a huge topic, we can only cover a little bit at a time. And today's episode is about the history of tarot. Where did it come from? How did it begin? Why did little pieces of cardboard with pictures on become such a widespread occult phenomena? That is coming up very soon. But meanwhile, I need to tell you about a most amazing event that's about to take place online and it's open to everyone. Yes, you, dear listener, open to you. There are three incredible mediums who are about to take the global platform in the most beautiful demonstration of mediumship. Stephen Trolland, Louise Minhas and Frederick Hagland are holding a special evening of soul in support of the Psychic Matters podcast. And I'm asking you to please consider purchasing a ticket for this incredible event. Tickets are by donation only, so please do pay what you can. If you have a little, pay just a little. If you have a little more than a little, pay a little more than a little. This Evening of Soul is going to be held on Thursday, February 10th, and it will be taking place online at 7.30pm GMT. 2.30 p.m. EST, 11.30 a.m. PST. And we have bookings from guests all over the world. So please do book a ticket. Even if you're unable to attend, please perhaps just consider buying a ticket as a donation. Stephen, Louise and Frederick will be moving their awareness to touch the souls that love you in the spirit world. They will work with the unique soul of you, allowing love to be their guide to bring strength, healing and insight from those who love you in the spirit world. 
as I said, this event is very special and it's open to a donation of your choosing, as big or as little as you like. To book your tickets, please go to Google and type in Eventbrite in support of Psychic Matters and you'll find the link there. Or you can pick up the link, which is available in the show notes for this podcast, which are over on my website, anteata.com, under podcasts. And you can also pick up the link from our Psychic Matters Facebook group page. Meanwhile, it's back to this week's episode, Tarot Tips. Most people think of tarot as an instrument of divination, but tarot are a European invention and they were invented in northern Italy in the 1430s. There were card games that were played by very rich nobility. Card games with really beautiful sounding names called Tarocci, Scarto, Mitigati or Ottocento. Excuse my Italian accent there. But uh, beautiful names, beautiful games played by rich nobility. Playing cards themselves probably reached Europe from the Islamic world in the late 14th century, and they may have been invented in China during the Tang dynasty in the 9th century as a result of the usage of woodblock printing technology. And we know this because the earliest text containing a possible reference to card games is a 9th century text written by Tang dynasty writer Xu E. And it describes Princess Tong Chan playing the leaf game in 868 with members of the Wei clan. But documentation is scarce and it is possible that the leaves, therefore the cards, may have been the pages of the game's instruction book. Card games were spreading throughout the Asian continent and by the 11th century they had arrived in Egypt and there are fragments of card-sized parchment that still exist today dating back to around the 13th century. They're in a couple of museums including the Keir Collection of Islamic Art in Dallas but it's not known for sure if these tiny fragments of parchment used to be playing cards or whether they're just scraps of parchment that look like playing cards. A very famous old card deck is called the Mamluk cards and they date to sometime around the 1500s. Most historians agree that playing cards appeared suddenly in Europe around the last quarter of the 1300s, which was a time of significant interaction between Christian Europe and the Islamic powers in the form of the Crusades. And during the Crusades, there were huge numbers of Christian and Muslim soldiers who fought, but it's highly likely that when they weren't fighting, they were playing cards. So fast forward to the 1430s. At first, playing cards were primarily for the rich. Why was this? It's because they had to be hand painted and some of them were really elaborate with exotic dyes and beautiful designs. Before Gutenberg's printing press, which was invented in the 1440s, there were other sort of less sophisticated printing presses which were able to create packs and decks of playing cards because they required much less variation 
than a book. A rich son of a Florentine family may well have come home after travelling to ask a local painter to make up a set of cards for himself featuring his family members or his friends and this created the beginnings of different card deck designs. The Cloisters deck from the 15th century beautiful card deck. It used hunting themed suits. So the suits might have been stags, hunting dogs, lures, a hunting horn. Some had suits that represented the fueling families of Europe, like Fleur de Lys for France. And by the end of the 15th century, with the printing press and card popularity, the design and layout of decks began to be standardised. Obviously very useful because then all card decks contained the same amount of cards with the same numbers on them and the same suits on them. The earliest European cards had suits which were hearts, bells, acorns and leaves. Later on, the suits in packs were cups, deniers, which was money, staves and swords. And no one knows why the suits developed. Maybe some suits are meant to indicate aristocracy and others peasantry, for example, diamonds and spades. Maybe some were for peace and some were for war, for instance, cups and swords. Polo sticks were used as a suit in Latin decks, but polo was an obscure sport to Europeans. And so that suit became batons or cudgels. And it wasn't until the 16th century that the modern hearts, diamonds, clubs and spades appeared. And yet there wasn't a standard dominant card deck. There were four different card decks and they were widely in use. There was German, Swiss, French and Latin. And the French deck was the one that became the most popular playing card in the world. And this was because it had 52 cards, four suits, the hearts, the diamonds, the clubs and the spades. And they were printed in two colours, red and black. And that simple design made them very easy and very cheap to print. Sharp corners on the cards wore out more quickly, so they were replaced with rounded corners. And you've probably always wondered, haven't you, why do cards have rounded corners? Or maybe you didn't even think about it until now. But this is why. It's because the corner, the sharp corner on a square corner wears out very quick. So before the mid-19th century, British American and French players preferred card decks with blank backs. But the need to hide the wear and tear and to discourage people writing on the backs of cards led card decks to have designs and pictures and advertising on the reverse. Tarot decks came much later than suited decks and they were simply made up of new cards added to the existing playing card decks and in the 1400s in Italy they were called triumph cards which later mutated to the word trump. No one associated playing cards with the occult or telling fortunes, but rather they were played in the 1400s and still are played today in fairly complicated trump games, a little bit like bridge. 
The occult cartomancy began in the 1780s in France. In 1781, a French Freemason and former Protestant minister called Antoine Court de Giblin published a complex analysis of the tarot in which he revealed that the symbolism in the tarot was derived from the esoteric secrets of Egyptian priests, a compendium of ancient Egyptian wisdom passed down by Thoth, the Egyptian god of knowledge. He explained that this ancient occult knowledge had been carried to Rome and revealed to the Catholic Church and the popes who desperately wanted to keep this arcane knowledge secret. However, no historian can find any evidence to support this crazy theory and yet wealthy Europeans jumped on the bandwagon and by the 19th century, card decks like the Marseille Tarot were being produced with artwork specifically based on de Geblin's analysis. An occult interest in tarot expanded and became more associated with the Kabbalah and secrets of hermetic mysticism. Tarot cards had taken off. Tarot is a collection of visual symbols designed specifically to relate meaning and mystery. Tarot is fun. It can feel a little bit spooky until you learn it, but it's highly misunderstood by the general public due to the mystery that surrounds it. But basically, at the end of the day, all tarot is, is a deck of cards with 78 pictures on it. The magic is not in the cards. The magic is in you. The 78 cards of the tarot deck are broken down into two sections. 56 cards of the minor arcana and 22 cards of the major arcana. The major cards represent the bigger picture, the archetypes, the spiritual journey, the human experience. And the minor cards represent our day-to-day events and the daily activities that make up our day-to-day lives. And the minor cards are divided into four suits, wands, coins, swords, and cups. And each suit card is numbered 1 to 10. So very broadly, just to give you a very rough idea, each suit, wands, coins, swords and cups relates to certain things. If you have a suit of cups, then that represents the element of water. Water standing for the spring, standing for emotions, standing for relationships. If you have a suit of wands, this is the element of fire, of summer, of work, enterprise and creativity. The suit of swords is the element of air, representing the autumn or the fall, thoughts, mental activity and strife. And the suit of pentacles represents the element of earth, of winter material values. 
So how do you remember what the suits stand for? Well, I like to think of the cups as holding literally liquid. Uh, So that's water, the element of water. And of course, water relates to emotions. Pentacles, I find them easy to remember that they relate to the earth because they're circular, just like the earth. And also they are, of course, related to money. Swords, I remember, is the element of air because they whoosh and swoosh through the air. And I know that because they are double edged and they're very sharp, this can indicate challenges and strife. And the element of wands, I remember them because they look like sticks and sticks can create a fire. So they relate to the element of fire and they are to do with the career of someone or their ambition, what someone does for most of their day. In each suit, you then have four court cards, the king, the queen, the knight and the page. And broadly speaking, a king is a decision maker, usually an adult male over the age of 30. The queen is also a decision maker, usually a female over 30 years old as well. The knight is usually someone in their late teens to early adulthood, maybe up to 30 years old. And a page is usually a child. Some of the pictures look dramatic. The tower, death, the devil. They all look quite dramatic, sometimes traumatic, but they are just pictures of things happening to people. And your cards are a tool. They are like a paintbrush and canvas are to an artist. And you need to create your own language with your own tarot cards. You need your cards to speak to you. Now, what do I mean by that? Your tarot readings will be unique to you. The meaning that you see in your tarot cards will differ from any other tarot reader. Other tarot readers won't pick up information or give information out in the same way that you do. Your tarot cards, when you see them laid out in a spread, will mean something to you. Another tarot reader might read into the meaning of those cards in a very different way, and that is fine. You do you, as they say. Similarly, we are not able to stand over the shoulder of any other tarot reader and tell them that they are reading the cards wrong, because they will be interpreting their cards using references that mean something to them and delivering that information to their recipient. So you need to begin to build up this beautiful relationship with your own tarot deck. This episode is just a very brief look at the history of cards and tarot, where they came from, etc. But there is so much to learn. There are two ways of reading the tarot cards. Intuitively, by looking at the imagery on the cards and reading the tarot using your intuition or your innate psychic awareness. You can then use your card to springboard into your own intuitive knowing and speak from your soul's wisdom or your unconscious mind, your psychic side. Or you can learn the meaning of each card from the manual and then apply what you know of that card 
to your intuitive feeling and deliver information to your client that way. Now, there's so much to learn with the tarot that it can become so overwhelming. And quite often, because it is just so overwhelming, there is so much to learn that we put the cards away in the cupboard and we don't look at them again, which is a great shame. Now, you often hear, throw the manual away. You don't need it. You can use your intuitive awareness to read the cards. And I do teach that. And that is a true thing. But the manual, the tarot book, it will also give you the card meanings and will explain what the card represents. And that can be used as another element to bring into your readings. So it's not that I want to dismiss the manual and say it's never required because I think it can complement our tarot readings very well, but it's not essential. What is essential for you to know is that anything you read from a tarot card comes really from your own psychic awareness. It's not coming from the card. You are using the card as a springboard, as a frame of reference to feel into your own intuitive knowing. Having said all of the above, here's the thing. If you can't be bothered to read the manual or you just want to get started reading your tarot pack, well, then don't worry about reading any books or reading your tarot manual. Use the cards and see what colours pop out at you. What symbols come to your attention first? Which way is the person in the card looking and why? What do you think they're looking at that's beyond the picture in the card? Where did they come from before they arrived at this spot pictured in the card? What sort of mood are they in today? What is influencing them in their tarot life? Let the characters in your tarot pack become multi-dimensional. What can they see? What can they hear? What can they smell and taste and feel? Look at your recipient. Does this apply to them, to their life, maybe to their work or to their spouse or their children? Feel into the answers. For me, when I was learning tarot, the most frustrating cards to learn were the court cards. The king, the queen, the page and the knight. I had no idea what they all stood for. I couldn't, I just couldn't get my head around it. I thought it was all so complicated and I didn't understand how to apply them to my readings. So what I used to do was take those court cards out of my deck altogether. I just stopped reading with them. So for years, I did my tarot readings for my clients without the royal court in my pack at all. But many years later, I have definitely got to grips with the royal court. And I will say this, goodness only knows how I used to read tarot without them. I do not recommend that you take them out of your tarot deck. The court cards are an essential nay, vital part of your tarot readings. And if you do nothing else, learn the court card meanings. You see, the court cards are the people cards. You can put them to people the recipient might know, their boss, their friend, their ex-partner, maybe their mother-in-law, their child, their neighbour. 
Each of these court cards has very different personality traits. And by learning these from the manual or from a book or from a good quality tarot course, this is how you are able to tell your recipient that their boss is domineering or their boss is very quiet and shy or Maybe that their daughter is very immature for her age and acting out at this moment or that they themselves are feeling like they need to be on their own at this time. They're feeling reflective and vulnerable. All of these personality traits can be touched upon by learning the court cards. Learn what makes people tick. Learn why they act like they do. You'll be able to read the cards and determine if the recipient or their boss is an extreme narcissist, a psychopath or a sociopath, because everyone has a little trait of something in their personality. But by knowing the characters in the court cards, you can couple this with your intuitive feeling and see how deep those feelings run. Do they have just a touch of the narcissist or is this someone? they really need to eject from their lives. It took me years to learn the royal court. And because I had such a problem with it during the time when I was learning tarot and getting to grips with the card meanings, I decided I don't want anyone else to go through that pain. So I've put together a compact two hour downloadable audio course for you to listen to on the go. If you are a beginner it's the perfect course for you. If you are an intermediate tarot reader, this course will help you deliver multidimensional tarot readings for your clients. And if you are an advanced tarot practitioner with years of practice, you will still want to do this course because it contains information about the royal court that cannot be found anywhere on the internet in any other tarot course. It is truly unique and it will elevate your tarot readings to an even more impressive level. So the course I created is based on the Rider Waite tarot deck. It explains the history of the kings and queens of medieval England. It will tell you all about what life was like living in the royal court, whether you were a peasant or part of the aristocracy. And I explain the symbology behind the cards because I've learned that by understanding the history and learning what life was like in an English castle, you can learn a great deal of unique information and use that knowledge in your tarot readings. And of course, it's not like sitting down with a manual and trying to learn all the information by heart and shove it into your brain only to forget it five minutes later. On my course, you will learn what a king stands for, what a queen stands for, what a page does as a job, what a knight does to earn a living and what the difference is between a page and a squire and what is expected of all of them in their jobs. So if you are interested in this course, please do go to my website anteato.com slash shop. It is on there. It's called The Royal Court. I've condensed 40 years of learning into that two hour course for you. So it will cut out 40 years of learning for you and it will stop you having to plough through tarot manual after tarot manual, tarot book after tarot book. I've done it all for you. I've learned it all and now I'm sharing it with you. So cut out the exhaustion. We want far 
fast results these days. I'm offering it to you for half price, just £40 instead of 80 You can buy one for a friend. Don't tell anyone else. This is just for my loyal podcast listeners. So go to my website, antearto.com slash shop. And when you get to the checkout, put in the coupon tarot one. That's tarot and the number one, tarot one. And that will enable you to purchase the Royal Court for £40 instead of 80 And it is my gift to you for listening to Psychic Matters. Now, before we finish, I want to very quickly sum up with these seven tarot tips. Trust. Trust your intuition. Your confidence will build up over time. Remember, you cannot have an incorrect perception if it truly comes from your soul, if it truly comes from your higher self. Doubt and fear have no place here. Trust in those perceptions. They will not be wrong. Intuitive tarot is using your intuition, your sixth sense. I can't say it. Sixth sense uh, to psychically read your recipient and your cards are just a tool that we use. So remember, you've got the same ability as me. I'm nothing special. You've got exactly the same as I have, or you've got the same ability as any other writer of any other tarot book. You have your intuition. Trust it. You will not go wrong. But of course, you will improve over time as you train your psychic muscles. Tarot tip number two. Remember, all you need to learn is how to make your cards speak to you. Understand the language they use with you. Other people won't give the same information as you do. Don't judge other people's readings or say, you know what that card means because someone else, they might have imbued that card with a different meaning. Tarot tip number three. As an exercise in getting to know your tarot cards, choose one card that you're drawn to. Hold the card. Describe out loud what is happening in the card. Listen to your voice being brave enough to speak words saying what you see. Stand in the pose of the character in that card. Look around you. Feel that character's weight. Feel their stance. Wear their clothes. Feel what they feel like against the skin, against the body. Feel into the surroundings. Climb inside the card. Smell the environment. Taste the environment. Taste the pomegranate. Taste the honey. Taste whatever's in the card. Smell the air. Make it very multidimensional. Tarot tip number four. Create your own spread. How do you do this? Before you lay a single card, you decide what do you want to read for your client? Let's keep it simple for this example. If somebody wants you to look into their relationship to see whether they should continue it or not, a way to do that is to look into their current relationship, then 
look into the past of that relationship and then look into the future of that relationship. So you know that you're going to lay three cards down and you know that the very first card you lay down is going to be the present. You know the second card you lay down to the left is going to be the past and the third card you lay down is going to be the future. Create your own spread. You don't have to follow the spread in the manual, in the book. Make up your own. Tarot tip number five. Pick a deck you like. When I first got my tarot cards, I mean, I've, I've talked about having them for 40 years. I've got the Rider Waite tarot pack. And I was told that it was unlucky to buy your own tarot cards and that you had to be given a pack. Well, I was 17 at the time. I believed what I heard. <laughs> what a load of old twaddle. Don't take any notice of that. That's just, that's just ridiculous. Buy yourself a beautiful tarot deck that speaks to you. You don't have to be given it. It's nice if you're given a pack. <laughs> don't get me wrong. My beautiful friend Tyrone Cusack bought me the most beautiful pack of cards. They're here. Hold on. Let me read them to you. The Elemental Oracle by Stacey DeMarco. That was my Christmas present from Tyrone. Tyrone, thank you so much. I absolutely adore them. Um, so that was really lovely. Uh, but you can go if you like a tarot deck. By the way, they were oracle cards, not tarot. They're something completely different for another podcast episode. Um, but tarot deck, choose one you love. Choose one that really resonates with you. The first pack I bought myself was something like, do you know, I can't even remember, but it was 40 years ago. <laughs> so I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, let alone what I, what I did 40 years ago. But it was something like the Golden Dawn or something like that. And the pictures on it didn't really do it for me. I just thought a bit boring. But so I much preferred the Rider Waite when I got them because they had pictures. I'm a very visual person. I, I love imagery. Tarot tip number six. Look at the matter and the antimatter. The shapes that are formed around the shapes. <laughs> what are you talking about, Anne? Be clear. What do you mean? What I mean is if you've got, let's say... Um, let's say the Empress is sitting on, hang on, let me have a look at the picture of the Empress first. That would really help me. Uh, there's my tarot back. Here we go. Um, let me have a look at a picture of a card. Hang on. I've chosen the Empress now. Let's stick with her. <laughs> where is she? Empress, where are you? Here she is. Right. So the Empress, oh, she's beautiful, isn't she? With her blonde hair and her cloak robe not cloak, but her robe full of pomegranates. Well, she's sitting on a chair and she's got a beautiful yellow sky behind her in the Rider Waite pack. And she wears a beautiful 12-starred crown for the 12 months of the year and the 12 signs of the zodiac. But have a look at the sky. The sky behind her makes a shape of its own on that tarot card. You can see it leads off into little rivulets between the leaves of the trees. There are shapes that are being formed there. I can see an upside down teddy bear from where I'm, I'm standing, which might have some relevance. I can actually see a naked lady between the leaves of the trees. 
So uh, that might have relevance to somebody if I was reading for them. I can start start to see faces appear in the leaves. Um, so I'm sort of reading the antimatter, what is around the shapes. So um, I'm sitting in front of my microphone at the moment. That is matter. But everything in the air that is around the microphone is the antimatter. So have a look at what's not there, because that in the picture makes a shape of its own. Tarot tip number seven. You can use the tarot cards to stimulate spirit communication. Now, I have to be very clear. We do not need to use tarot cards to stimulate spirit communication. We do not need to use anything at all. Spirit are there all the time. They're ready and waiting to talk to us. We need no gimmick. We only need to move our awareness to the spirit world. But you can use your tarot cards to move your awareness to the spirit world as well, if you want to experiment in working in that way. So say you've got, you're doing a reading for somebody and you've got a whole load of different cards in front of you. And for some reason, the Queen of Swords starts jumping out at you and you're sort of quite aware that she's quite a prominent card in this reading. And maybe you just think, I don't know why she's really grabbing my attention, this queen of swords. And then you suddenly become aware, hang on a minute, I really feel we are being joined by someone here from the spirit world. And as I move my awareness to the spirit world, I begin to work with them and ask this lady to come a little closer. I feel that she's actually quite a spiky character. And I know that she would have been quite... um, a spiteful sort of personality. This is what she makes me aware of. She's not like it now in the spirit world, but while she was here, I know she was very, very prickly. Would you understand this lady to be your mother-in-law? Yes, indeed I do. <laughs> um, so And so you can bring, you can use your tarot cards to spring into uh, the spirit world in that way. Or it might be that a page or a knight takes your attention. You're like, do you know what? This really brings my awareness to the spirit world. I really feel like there is a young man who stands with us here. And I know that this young man was incredibly adventurous. And I feel he was 24 when he passes to spirit. I feel he goes very, very quickly. And you would understand a young man like this in the spirit world. And this is how you can use your tarot cards to stimulate spirit communication. So that brings us to the end of this episode on tarot tips. Don't forget to write in and let me know what questions you might have and I can answer them on this podcast. You can ask me about tarot. You can ask me about anything you like on any spiritual topic and I will do my very best to help you. Email your questions to me at Anne. A-N-N at anteato.com. A-N-N-T-H-E-A-T-O.com. Links and resources for this episode, along with a full transcription, are available on my website under podcasts. You could sign up to my newsletter while you're there or just make a special trip across the Internet to do that anyway, because then you'll be the first to hear of any new courses that I've got coming up. I'm 
honoured to be teaching again at the College of Psychic Studies on Saturday, March 19th. And I will be doing an online one day workshop on how to work with flower divination. So bring a beautiful vase of flowers to that workshop. It's open to everyone across the globe. Let me teach you how to psychically read a flower for your recipient. It's such a beautiful way of working. I'm also honoured to be teaching for the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Centre in Edinburgh again online. So it's available to all of you across the globe. Please do come and join me. We will be meeting every Monday night in March, 7 to 9 p.m. GMT. So that's 7, 6, 5, 4, 3. That's 2 o'clock in the afternoon till 4 o'clock in the afternoon. EST and I will be teaching a four-week workshop on channeling. We will be looking at opening to channel, channeling a guide, channeling for parables and stories and channeling for philosophical discussion. So if you fancy that one, head over to the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle website no, 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 don't head there. That's the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle website. <laughs> head over to the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Centre website and you can book that course on there. And I have a six-week programme, again online, so it's open to everyone across the globe, beginning Thursday, 24th of February, where we will be practising scrying and ancient divination techniques. So if you fancy following in the footstep of the ancient seers and practising scrying with oil, treacle, water, wax and a host of other fascinating things, please head to my website, sign up to that six-week program. I'd love to see you in class. For now, I wish you a wonderful couple of weeks. I'm going to be very busy because I've got some fascinating guests lined up for interviews. I think I've got three to do this week. So wish me well with those and I cannot wait to bring them to your listening ears. Thank you again for your loyalty to this podcast. I am so grateful to you. Until next time, my name is Anne Teato and thank you for listening to Psychic Matters. <laughs>